Welcome to the AEM Education and Training Podcast from the Society of Academic Emergency Medicine and the AEM Education and Training Journal. I'm your host, Dr. Kita Pensa, and this is what we've got for you today. When the pandemic shut down our ability to convene in large groups for continuing professional development, or CPD, courses, many conferences opted to move to an online virtual format. The social distancing advantage of virtual conferences might not be as important to some as it was a couple of years ago, but some people really learned to love the convenience of online formats. On the other hand, maybe you miss seeing your colleagues and those in-the-hall chance meetings and the feeling of camaraderie at an in-person CPD conference. Today we are discussing a new education and training paper called Faces on a Screen, a qualitative study of the virtual and in-person conference experience. Lead author Dr. Michael Gottlieb is here with us to talk about it. Dr. Gottlieb is an Associate Professor of Emergency Medicine, Ultrasound Division Director, and Ultrasound Fellowship Director at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. He is an active and prolific educator, speaker, and researcher with a focus on the integration of technology and education. Don't forget to read the full text of this article available open access from the publisher for a limited time. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Gottlieb. Thanks for having me. Okay, so the COVID-19 pandemic brought about a lot of changes in the way we do things in medicine, including our continuing professional development. So now here we are in 2023. Lots of things have gone back to in-person, but it doesn't seem like the virtual conference is actually going anywhere anytime soon. So before this study, what data did we have about the virtual versus in-person conference for continuing professional development? Well, it's kind of interesting because before the pandemic, there really wasn't much in terms of truly virtual, you know, CPD type conferences. There were webinars and there was pre-recorded things, but there wasn't a lot of this truly virtual model. And so we're thrust into this environment where now we have virtual conferences and we're forced to because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So we have this natural experiment. And in general, the literature on CPD is way less than when you look at, for example, medical school or residency education. Mm-hmm. CPD is underdeveloped in the first place. Now, we yeah. did some earlier work. We looked at you know resident conference, and we tried to see the impact of virtual conferences and COVID in general. And in general, well, there's pretty mixed responses, some pros, some cons. It wasn't clean and discreet. It wasn't like in-person is better or virtual is better. There's nuance and benefits to each. Hmm. And while we're in the middle of this pandemic, we're looking at downstream and saying, well, at the other end of this, once the pandemic's over, virtual conferences are going to be here to stay to some degree. So let's try to figure out what works best and how we can evolve our conference based on that. All right. So now we have the possibilities of fully in-person, fully virtual, or even hybrid conferences for CPD. So What were your pre-study ideas of what the benefits and limitations of each of these formats were? And why did you think that the attendee perspectives on them needed to be studied more? Well, it all goes back to that resident work that we've done where we saw that there were some distinct benefits, like residents have mentioned, you know, impacts on wellness and work-life balance. Just the idea of not having to drive back to the hospital after a shift or, you know, on one of their limited days off. If you have childcare, familial responsibilities, not having to come in, 
But then at the same time, there was some clear disadvantages they felt. They lost that community feeling you have when you're sitting around your co-residents in lectures and that engagement that you have when you're sitting there talking as opposed to looking at a Zoom screen. But this is among residents and residents are different, right? This is a cohort who's spending three to four years together. They're working together clinically. They have this, you know, close knit piece in place already. They're seeing each other weekly. And that's a very different environment than when you take attendings who are going to a conference once or a couple times a year, they don't have that same network, that same connection. And so we wanted to see how does this change when you take a very different group of learners? Okay, that makes sense. So between December 2021 and January 2022, you conducted these semi-structured interviews with participants who had attended both virtual and in-person conferences for professional development. And you were looking into the social and contextual experiences in attending each format. So tell us a little bit more about your study design and your methods. And I think that really hits on it. It's, we wanted to understand their experiences from those who had attended both in-person and virtual conferences. So we wanted to see from those who had lived through in-person conferences and then done virtual, how did they compare? What were the distinct differences across those two? Now, for the purposes of this study, we defined a CPD, a Continuing Professional Development Conference, as something that was national or international that was put on by a professional organization that had a synchronous component. And that's key. It's not just a pre-recorded webinar or online modules. This had to have existed as a conference in real time. We went ahead, we searched the literature, we developed a script, we piloted it, we revised it, and we came in with this kind of series of questions we wanted to ask. And then we sought out people that would give us, uh, you know, a little bit broader of our population. We considered early on, well, we can look at emergency physicians, and this is a cohort, and this is one we're obviously very familiar with. Um, but if I'm looking at just emergency physicians across the United States, like that doesn't really reflect the broader virtual conference experience because it's not just us affected, everyone's affected. So we wanted to see beyond EM across a range of physicians, across multiple specialties. And then we also looked across North America. So we went up to our neighbors to the North in Canada, and we wanted to get their insights as well to really see how this impacted a little bit broader range. And particularly for this virtual sphere, because it really eliminates a lot of those borders across there that traditionally would be in place. So how did you ensure that diverse representation of, uh, I think you listed gender, years in practice, practice location, their academic rank, uh, their specialty, their type of practice? Um, how did you make sure you had that represented? A very meticulous spreadsheet. <laughs> but, and those who know me know this is probably on track with how I do things. But that being said... Um, you know, this is important because we wanted to really get a sense of the different experiences they had. These are very different populations. Someone who's, you know, more junior in their experience, who's a couple years out in practice, is going to have a very different conference experience in terms of networking, in terms of the knowledge they're trying to seek, than someone who's maybe at the tail end of their career. Those who are in surgical specialties and have different hours, different call responsibilities, will have a very different conference experience than those in emergency medicine where we have, you know, ideally less call. We have more shift structure. And so I wanted to see, we really wanted to see as a group how this would impact the broader application. So we went through each item. Every time we enrolled someone, we ran across our tally list and said, okay, what, what are we missing? What do we not have adequately represented? How do we ensure balance across this? How do we ensure balance across all of those, including specialties, to, to have that, you know, that broader picture within the confines of qualitative study? 
Okay. So you wound up interviewing 26 participants, and through that, you identified three overarching concepts. What were they? The three things were motivation and decision-making to attend conferences, the benefits and drawbacks for each of the types, so for the in-person conference, for virtual conferences, and then for hybrid conferences, which are a mix of virtual and in-person, and then what are the strategies to optimize virtual and hybrid conferences for going forward? All right. So let's take these one by one and talk about what you found. So first, let's start with the uh, motivations and decision-making to attend a conference. And the motivations really split into two primary categories. There was professional and then there was the personal motivations. So professional motivations would include things like the obligation, whether it be to the specialty, I feel guilty if I don't attend ASAP or SAM, or just the desire to stay up to date with the literature. Mm. You were also more likely to go if it was something related to a topic you cared about. So if I'm more interested in, for example, ultrasound, I'm going to attend an ultrasound-related conference. And then the third aspect, which we often start to think about as you, you know, speak at conferences is, well, if I'm speaking, I might as well go. Mm. And so, <laughs> you know, we had people that were speaking or conference planners and they would, you know, attend these full conferences as a result of this due to that role. And so that's the professional piece. The other area is this personal aspect. And so people would, you know, talk about traveling to different places. Like I want to go to Disney world because I can go there with my family. It's gonna be a great vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other ones were like, it's in, you know, some city I don't want to go to. And now it means I have multiple, I have a whole bunch of time away from my family. And I'd rather if it was in my home city, like I live in Chicago, there's a nice part about going to travel somewhere, but it's really nice when I can go back home and see my kids in Chicagoans in my city. So that was one piece that travel. And the other one's cost. We're dealing with limited CME funds. If I have to choose between three or four conferences and one of them's out of pocket, I'm a lot less likely to pay for it. And so that ends up being a, a major motivator there as well. All right. So let's talk about the benefits and drawbacks for each of the different conference formats. So how about the in-person conference? So in-persons really came down to three core benefits. The first one being networking and community. And I think we've experienced this. When you go to a conference, you're around your people. You feel connected. You feel connected to the field. You expand your networks. All of a sudden, you know someone and they know someone and you meet someone new that maybe leads to you know a future project or collaboration or just a great friendship out of it. And the other area that's been really hard in, in the virtual sphere is this interstitial space, this idea that when I'm walking between conference sessions, I run into someone I haven't seen in a while and we start catching up or we grab a quick coffee. You have this kind of accidental exposure to people where you run into them and catch up um, that doesn't really exist virtually. So that was a big one. Another one is this sense of immersion, just being present in that. You're sitting in a conference hall. It's really hard to you know sit on your phone and not pay attention when you're sitting there staring at the speaker. <laughs> right? You have to be there in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, as a speaker, that's also appreciated. But um, <laughs> you know they, you're there in the moment. It's it's different when you're on the computer. At least for me, and I'm sure this probably resonates with many. As you start looking at your email, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you you find this other competing demand. Someone says, "Hey, can you come chat with me for a second? You leave the screen on. You walk away. Um, you know that's a distraction that doesn't get you to be there in the moment. And the third one is just a sense of wellness, you know, that you are taking a break. You're able to just debrief and connect with others and be reminded why we love this field. But, but that's contrasted with some of the limitations and really there's an impact on, you know, the personal life. I feel guilty if I'm traveling and then someone has to watch my kids. 
right? And so that, that that is a feeling that exists. There's an impact of when you travel and you put that on someone else. If you have patients, someone needs to watch your patients. If you're in, not in emergency medicine, someone is covering your shift. And there's also that, you know, time away from work in general, because then you have to catch up on all those pieces. So there are some, you know, distinct impacts that also occur when you do travel for these in-person conferences. Yeah. As just as you're saying these things, I'm sort of, you know, having gone to in-person and virtual conferences myself in the last year, I'm like, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's also true. Oh boy, that's true too. I'm trying to reflect on like, how did I make that choice? So what did you find out about virtual conferences? So virtual conferences, they had some, again, distinct benefits. One of the things that people really appreciate is it's just flexible. You can control the timing of your sessions. You can integrate it into your schedule. Like if I have a meeting that I can't miss, I can go to the conference and just attend it an hour after that meeting. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to be able to fast forward. I I listen to podcasts at 1.25 speed (laughs) and I can't do that in real life. I can't look at a speaker and be like, talk faster, (laughs) but I can do that on a podcast and I can make it go faster and not offend them. (laughs) So, you know, there's ways you can do that. Or if someone says something and you're like, oh, I wanted to hear that again, you can rewind. Mm -hmm. You have control over this. You can take a break. You don't have to awkwardly walk from the middle of the row all the way around the side. If you want to get a coffee, Mm -hmm. you can just get a coffee and listen. There's accessibility. For both participants and speakers, they felt this. There's people from other countries who either couldn't afford to, from a travel standpoint, from a timing standpoint, it's really hard to travel outside the country. They were able to get there and join these conferences. They were able to attend and to learn and to share their expertise in a way that you couldn't before. And there's also this accessibility aspect of those who either don't feel comfortable um, speaking up and asking questions or who have you know, various challenges that prevent their ability to uh, to ask in that type of a way, they are now engaged through chat. They have other ways of connecting with others. And so that was a nice benefit too. That it's pretty broadly accessible. And the third one being tech. You have technology in front of you. There's not this awkward, let me try to show you my PowerPoint. I'm going to walk up to the screen and point on the screen. You can zoom in. You can play a live video a lot easier into there. You can integrate into other software. You can play recorded content a little bit easier. It's built into there. And you can save that recorded content and now replay that lecture later. But the interesting thing we saw was that when you asked people, so you, you saved, you know, this conference and you, you kept it on your, uh, your on demand, you're going to go watch it later, right? Yeah. When did you watch it? Oh, I didn't. <laughs> right. That resonates with like all of oh, us. Yeah. We're like, I know I was going to do it. <laughs> the best intentions. The best but in the end, then you don't end up listening to it. You don't watch it. And it goes off in the sunset. I still have a pending ASAP 2016. I've never listened to. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's gone out of my you know archive, but we, we have the best intentions, but then you get back to the real world and you don't. And so that emergent kind of piece comes back a little bit here as well. Mm-hmm. And then the two or maybe a couple of the big limitations that came out of this one is first one is tech barriers. Good tech works awesome. But if you have clunky platforms, it's hard to log in. Mm-hmm. You can't connect. The video lags. You don't have tech support. That makes a huge impact on the user experience. Oh, for sure. And there's those distractions. Going back to emails, for those who have pagers, you get page alerts, you have, you know, family and work responsibilities, and it's so easy to just, you know, step away and you don't get that protected time. I can't just go and set up an email alert and say, I'm going to be out, out, out of town for several days. I'm there. Everyone knows I'm there. So I don't lose, I can lose that protection. <laughs> yeah. And then the other ones that came up there, I think two other items were one was just people tried to do a lot of creative ways of teaching procedures. And quite frankly, I can't learn a central line over Zoom. That's not a design for that. You just can't replicate it. And I think people learn that there are certain things that just don't work virtually. 
And the other area is that communication. It's not just the connection of the people. It's, it's just hard to communicate that sense of when you start to talk and someone else is going to start to talk in person, you can see the reaction and you know how to read the person and engage the conversation when to jump in virtually. It's really hard to do that. You lose your nonverbal, you lose your gaps and the conversation ends up being very clunky and elbowy. It just doesn't feel real. And you lose that connection. As a result, it's really hard to make those networks and those connections of friends and people you collaborate with when you don't build that initial connection. Completely true. So, all right. So for the hybrid model, is it the best of both worlds? Is it the worst of both worlds? What did you find? I, at the end, I'm still not sure. We went in there thinking this was going to be like the best. We're like, oh, well, you can bring in the best of in-person and the best of virtual. But anyone who sat in a meeting where, you know, you're the virtual person and in-person department meeting, mm -hmm. you just feel left out. You try to raise a question. People don't see you. They start talking through it. Someone asks a question. You can't hear what they said. So you have to say what? And all of a sudden the, the conversation deters and you just don't feel like you're connected into it. You lose that piece. So the synchrony just doesn't work. And if you're in person, you can sense that things are happening in the chat. You get FOMO. You're like, someone's talking about something really interesting in the chat and I can't see it unless I now log in and now I'm logged in virtually and in person. It's just, it's a hard model. And what ends up happening is you end up diluting this experience so that you neither have a good in-person nor a good virtual. It kind of actually ends up being more of the worst of both worlds for a lot of people. They said, well, it's good in theory, but it didn't work. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So uh, the last overarching concept was the, the strategies uh, that we might use to optimize virtual and hybrid conferences. This is the thing I was most excited about because ultimately it's great. You know, everyone can find problems, but the idea is like, what do we do about it, right? How do we make things better? Because it's not going to go away. And there is a lot of good underneath there, but how do we make it better? And we came up with three kind of key themes across the, the interviews. The first one was to optimize your tech and your production. And so invest in good technology. Make sure you have, you know, the, the high enough quality of a platform that you have tech support. You want to ensure that you're actually doing good production value. And so if you're having someone present, it's not just, oh, I took a lecture and I put it in here. It's thinking about how you actually convert an in-person lecture into a Zoom lecture, into a virtual lecture that capitalizes on that virtual medium, doesn't just replicate it. The second item is, you want to facilitate networking and engagement. So, you know, we talked about some of the, the challenges is that you don't have that connection, but we should. Because in our current model, in person limits me to a smaller subset of people and a lot of people who would really benefit from and that would provide benefit to us to learn from them just are excluded. It doesn't work for a larger group of people. We have this ability to get this broader reach. And I think there's a lot of ideas that came out of the group, things like, you know, encouraging group discussions as opposed to just watching a video, using a moderated chat. So you're actually capitalizing that chat as a means of communication and not just a quick, let me drop a link in there. Doing active learning things like games or annotation and whiteboards, and really this concept of co-creation of knowledge that I can take this, we can build it together. And we tend to galvanize a lot better when we have something where we have this end goal we're building. So maybe we could sit there on a Google Doc or in a in a, in a whiteboard or in some form to build something in a concept and idea together to galvanize everyone together across sites. And then the last one is just think about what works. Think about what works in the, in the medium. Not everything that's in person should go to virtual. We talked about procedurals as a challenge, but also sometimes things just work better in virtually. And we should capitalize on that medium, specifically if you're looking for things like tech where you can dive down in resources. 
And if you're going to do this hybrid model, there was a lot of interesting suggestions, but one of the ones that I thought was kind of fascinating is to just dedicate time for each portion of my day is virtual and everyone joins in virtually and you're in the same medium, even if you're traveling or not traveling to city. And then you have dedicated in-person time so that you don't have someone on, on virtual feeling like left out. They can just kind of join into the virtual pieces of it and just capitalize on each medium separately instead of trying to blend them into this hybrid environment. Because most people that we talk to, they didn't like when you had both people together on either side. They just felt left out no matter which side you're on. And I don't think that's probably the model to go forward. Um, okay, great. So are there any limitations of the study that you'd like to highlight? Absolutely. So we use CPD, but in essence, this was a study of you know attending physicians. So it's worth noting that this is really just looking among attending physicians. We didn't, um, given the scope of the study, talk to advanced practice providers or allied health or other areas of allied health. So there are you know relevant, important insights that are from the broader field that we haven't captured. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to capture a lot of specialties, but by the nature of it, we may lose some lose some of the nuance in there. So maybe because of how we work as in emergency medicine, we may have a different conference experience than, again, you know, surgeons or hospitalists who have different hours, different responsibilities, different call schedules. Mm-hmm. And that, unfortunately, will get lost in a study like that. And I think the other things to kind of keep in mind here is, one, relying on recall bias in the middle of a pandemic. And that's a really hard thing to disarticulate because in COVID-19, especially those first couple of years, we all felt separated and alone. And now you're trying to separate that from the feeling of virtual conferences. It's hard. This probably needs to be repeated downstream when there's, as, as we've gone forward, because it is just difficult to separate out those who've experienced this in the context of COVID-19 versus those who are experiencing just the pandemic effects itself. Yeah. It's a really interesting observation. You're, I, I, you're probably right about that. Um, so what would you like the reader to come away from this study with? In the end, virtual conferences are not going to go away. And so we got to figure out some way to optimize the format to make it work. And there are distinct benefits of it. We just need to figure out how to optimize it so it works better. One of the common themes that came across when we asked about virtual conferences is that this is just in its infancy. It's just starting out. And so if we see it that way, is an evolving mechanism. We're looking at the BlackBerry, not the iPhone 11. <laughs> that means that we're going to see this in a different version and it's going to iterate and evolve and get, have a lot of really amazing features that we didn't believe was po- were possible when we were still punching on the BlackBerry keyboard. Mm-hmm. It's changed. It's going to evolve. It's going to be different. And that's on us to do it. That we take this knowledge and we say, okay, now that we know this, now that we know the gaps, the challenges, how do we make it better? How do we improve access for people? How do we reduce the you know, personal and and family and work impact of the in-person sessions? And how do we improve the community building and the engagement with virtual? Hmm. Well, when we have the uh, iPhone 22 version of uh, virtual conferences, we will have your work to thank. So <laughs> thank you so much for coming to talk to us about this today. And thanks for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this month's AEM Early Access. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes at AEM Early Access, all one word. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available open access from the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal for a limited time. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.